This week, our special guest will be Seth Kabersky, author of The Unofficial Guides to Disneyland 2016, Beyond Disney, 9th Edition, and The Unofficial Guide to Universal Orlando. Since we've already discussed his Universal Orlando book back on show 337, this week we'll be discussing the Disneyland 2016 and Beyond Disney books. Enjoy. This is show 347 for the week of December 6, 2015. You're listening to The Mouse Moment. Find us at themousemoment.com. Listen every week for a new show and rate us on iTunes. Follow us at youtube.com slash theseamazingplaces, facebook.com slash theseamazingplaces, twitter.com slash amazingplaces, or contact us at podcast at theseamazingplaces.com. back everybody on this show we actually have uh, several of our gang here all in uh, all in one place so i have cameron out on the west coast best of all and i've thought about this all week we have the hardest working guy in podcasting right now and that is seth kaberski seth, <laughs> seth has come back on to discuss a couple more books that he has released but also to uh, give us his vast knowledge inside knowledge i should say of, of what's happened in the theme park industry so seth how are you doing I'm doing great, and uh, I missed you guys. It's it's been about four months since we talked, and it, it's crazy how much stuff has gone on in the meantime. So it's it's good to be back. Yeah, and actually, a lot of it's gone on in the last two weeks. I think <laughs> it's yeah, it's 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 been a busy uh, busy season. Okay, so let's uh, let's shoot into this thing. What we're going to be uh, going through first, and it's just in time for the holiday season, is. Um, uh, Seth has released two books. First uh, is the Disneyland 2016 Unofficial Guide and the Unofficial Unofficial Guide to Beyond Disney. And so that's going to cover a lot of the other places in Central Florida. So anyway, we're going to start chatting first about the uh, Disneyland Guide. Uh, There's a lot of stuff going on in Disneyland. And so I just wanted to hit some of this and see where it kind of falls into um, stuff that you've put into the book. First of all, Seth, I do want to hit some of these things, though, uh, for listeners. And that is, um, did you hit within the book? I did not see it, but that's transportation from the airport and, and to, to Disneyland. You know, it, it's funny that you mention it. There is, uh, I'll, I'll try to look up the page while we're, while we're sitting here. Um, there, there is just a very brief discussion of Disneyland transportation. I'm particularly not a fan of the Disneyland Express uh, shuttle. Um, I, I mostly use the, uh, the super shuttle myself. Um, but, uh, I'm actually looking at expanding that in, in the next edition, uh, because you're not the first person so to ask us, about that. Give us some information on the super shuttle. What is that about? Um, it, it's, uh, it, it's your basic van shuttle service that will take you from LAX or one of the other local airports to, uh, Disneyland. Uh, the advantage I find over the Disneyland shuttle is the Disneyland shuttle is a, a larger, usually a larger bus-like vehicle, and uh, it takes lar- more people, but it uh, operates less frequently and has more limited hours uh, and uh, costs a few much bucks more. Um, so I, I'm I'm trying to flip through and find it. I'll 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 email okay. you the the page number. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, oh, um, I think we're talking uh, pages uh, 28 through 31. That's where it should be uh, in the book. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I, I think uh, maybe in the next edition we'll, we'll put a little bit more in there. Um, so many people uh, who visit Disneyland are already in you know, California right. uh, for, for a larger vacation um, or are in the, California, in the, the L.A. area. Um, that we don't really emphasize that the way we do in our Walt Disney World book, but it's it's worth maybe uh, adding some more for 2017. And do you see that that audience of outsiders to Disneyland expanding? Well, I think with uh, with Star Wars coming in, certainly. Um, I think that in the same way that uh, the big expansion at DCA brought a whole new group of non-locals into the park, uh, Star Wars Land will probably do the same for for Disneyland. 
Uh, and have you rented a car when you've gone in there much, or you just usually? Take I I generally do rent a car. Um, it, it depends on. I, I always do the math. Um, I'll I'll get on a bunch of websites and I'll see the cheapest car I can find, uh, and I factor in if there's a parking fee at the hotel or uh, parking at uh, whatever attractions I'm going to go to, and then I'll I'll run the numbers versus that versus uh, a super shuttle, and uh, and or Uber. Uh, to get where I'm going. Um, and, you know, depending on what hotel you're at, how long you're staying, you got to do the math each time. Um, uh, this trip coming up, oh, I'll probably wind up renting a car. Okay. And something else I love that you did in your book was the uh, walking time that it takes from the good neighbor hotels. Oh, yeah. And those aren't no, all necessarily good neighbor hotels. Um, you know that that's kind of a trick. Uh, Disney uses that name and kind of puts that stamp on good hotels, but they don't aren't necessarily any better or worse, or offer any more benefits than any other uh, hotels. So we kind of go out to all the hotels that we feel are within walking distance, and we kind of time it down to the second of of what it takes you to get to the the main entry plaza. Yeah, along um, with and it's it, it's kind of interesting. There are hotels that cost a quarter of what a right. night at the Disneyland hotel costs uh, that are actually closer to the Disneyland front gate. Yeah, so I, I love that that <laughs> yep. fact. Yeah, Cameron, do you have anything to say to that? Since you you do it all, no, the time? it's uh, it's downtown Disney. It's all downtown Disney's fault. I mean, oh yeah, <laughs> seriously. Yeah, the the hotels. What is it, the Howard Johnson? That's really yeah. close. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I personally my my favorite super budget motel is the. Uh, Super Eight on Catella, which I can usually get for seventy bucks or less a night. Really, and and it's about a thirteen minute walk, something like that. Um, yeah, uh, which is which is crazy because you can. I mean, you can stay in a, a super deluxe hotel at Walt Disney World, and it takes you twice that length to get yeah. into one of the parks, <laughs> or just to wait for the bus. Right. <laughs> no, yeah. that's absolutely right. Yeah, you're actually the egg roll cart. Yeah, it's about fifteen minutes at that. So yeah. I had to bring up the <laughs> yeah. egg roll cart. This is because it's really it's really one of my my favorite things always about the Disneyland Resort. One of the things I like about Universal Orlando too is just the walkability of it. The uh, the ability to not have to get in the car. Yep. Let's see here. Uh, I also like you stuck in here about the um, conventions and how during slow periods. This is what I'm always asking Cameron about. When's a slow period? And never once have I ever thought about conventions becoming a problem that would fill up rooms. And so I couldn't just get down there and get a decent price on a room because when the parks slow down, the conventions pick up. And so I thought that was a great addition to the book. Yeah, it's kind of a catch-22. And it's it's kind of hard to go out and find all that information on your own. So, uh, yeah, we... we we stick that in there and, and that's not even all the conventions. That's just the ones that we feel are big enough to really impact the uh, hotel room availability. But, you know, Anaheim, Orlando and, and Vegas are probably the three biggest convention markets in the country. And the Anaheim convention center is being expanded right now. So it's, it's only going to get bigger. Uh, okay. So, uh, and before I forget, you guys do have this into the touring plans app, right? You have a Disneyland side. Absolutely, yeah. We have all the attractions, all of the uh, all of the touring plans. You can customize it, and we've got Guy Selga who lives out there, and he's in the parks on a almost daily basis, who's constantly you know, monitoring the app and, and making sure that it's uh, you know up to date. All right, <clears throat> and I do have information here on FastPass, but I want to ask you. I've heard rumors that they're testing. Uh, they're testing FastPass Plus, or they're about to maybe. Over this well, I, I think you're going to see slowly little elements of uh, what Walt Disney World has migrating west, but not in the same way. Um, you know, there's someone spotted a sensor that looks very similar to the ones used to scan magic bands. That's just as likely to be kind of an, an Apple Pay, uh, you know, a, a touchless vending system. Um, it, I, I don't think we're going to see magic bands themselves out in uh, California anytime soon. And I think that, um, you know, any rollout of uh, pre-booking fast passes, you know, weeks in advance, uh, I think that's probably still a ways off. 
But what I do see them doing is migrating from a system of using paper, paper fast passes to having you be able to get a same day fast pass on a, a, um, your uh, ticket media uh, digitally and using uh, readers to do that just to, to eliminate the use of paper. Um, I, I think it's going to be a slow process. It's going to happen eventually, but uh, it's not going to look the same as it does out in Disney World. Yeah, I've heard many people talk about they. You'll probably never see magic bands out there because they don't have as much as uh, the on-site hotels. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. They they don't have um, they don't have the incentive uh, that they do with the number of resort guests and, in, in Walt Disney World to 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 give them out. And uh, and I think that the annual pass holder population in uh, Los Angeles is much larger. And probably would be more resistant to the Magic Band system that we have in Disney World. And so, Cameron, how do you feel about Magic Bands out there? Um, I, I think I, I like them for the shows because I feel like doing a show like in the afternoon, I can just kind of reserve it and then go there right after work and just go see it. So you mean or reserve like, like with Fast Pass Plus? Yes, okay. or like even like World of Color and Fantasmic, how you have to get there in the morning. Yeah, and this time you don't have to get there in the morning; you can just book it whenever you know that's good the rides i i don't know it depends on how it affects the park to me but I, we don't know that yet so okay so yeah. you brought it up fantastic it's going to be shut down and yes. uh, the train's going to be shut down and seth cameron and i discussed this a little bit in an earlier show but i obviously wanted to get your opinion as far as what do you think is going to do to crowd level uh in the parks when you're shutting down the train and you're shutting down um uh, fantastic. Um, I'm not, I'm not the expert on crowd levels. We do have experts on crowd levels who are looking at it right now. Uh, the way we figure it, the, the combined hourly capacity of all of the stuff that's being shut down, uh, is about the equivalent of, of like, you know, a space mountain and a big thunder mountain. Uh, it's a couple of e tickets, uh, which is, is rough, but not necessarily fatal. There have been plenty other times than Disneyland has had uh, a couple e-tickets closed. Um, it, it's a good thing that Disneyland probably has more attraction capacity than any other park in the country. Um, but, you know, crowd flow is going to be tough and, and crowd balance. Um, a lot of things that would soak up uh, just people walking around on the west side of the park are going to be closed. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be really, uh, really interesting to see how the park handles, uh, moving guests around, uh, without any draws, uh, in that area, especially at night. And we put up a, a thing that I think it was, uh, oh, who was it? Cameron, who put up the picture where they were showing where the train tracks were going to move to there. I think yeah, it was, was it mice chat. Yeah. I think it was mice chat. Yeah, I've, I've seen a couple speculative maps, and all of them basically say that it's moving south, uh, kind of through where the river is now, and the river will have to move down and cut off the the northern tip of Tom Sawyer Island. There's there's not really any guest accessible stuff on the tip of Tom. It, it has historical value. Uh, I think that's where the burning settler cabin uh, used to burn, um, but it's 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 not going to destroy the pirate slayer playground areas. Hey, just real quick, and to tell everybody, the listeners and everyone, how long is it planned to be shut down? Has that even been announced? Does anyone have an um, idea? At, at least a full year, and probably closer to a year and a half. You know, some sometime in early 2017, I think is is the soonest. Okay. You know, I'm sure they would love to rush and get a stuff reopened for Christmas of 2016, but I, I'd count at least a full year. I, I don't. I don't know if there's an official date yet, uh, and if there is one, I'm sure it's fluid. Yeah, and is there even official in terms of I don't know anybody? I'm asking Star Star Wars and all that stuff, and even actually opening for Jim for Hill, Disneyland. Okay, Jim Hill had said um, uh, with Len on the show uh, that he was looking at 2018 and Disney World. Disney they're World. They're trying to push for. Uh, yeah, and is that is that correct? Is that what you heard, Seth? Um. I've heard anything from, from 2019 to 2018, um, mm-hmm. and I've heard Disneyland maybe a little before that. Okay. Um, really? Uh, I think they're really 
they're really going to push, especially seeing how long it's taken them to build Avatar. Yeah. The idea that, that Star Wars could be done just a, a year or two after Avatar is kind of crazy. Um, but, uh, you know, I think if any, any project is going to get their full, uh, full muscle behind it, it'll be this. Okay. And so at the point when they, uh, when they basically have finished a lot of this stuff, it's going to be time for you to re-release another book, correct? (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, you know, our, our, our schedule is, is such that, um, you know, we do our revisions throughout the year and, uh, it's, it's got to go to print, uh, in the summertime. Um, so, you know, uh, I don't expect a lot of this, any of this stuff to be complete by the time we finish the next book. Uh, but hopefully enough information will be leaked, uh, to be able to have a pretty good idea of what's happening. All right. And okay. Before we move out of, uh, Disneyland. I want you to explain to me City Pass. I know you have a whole section on it uh, in the book on City Pass. Do you think that, I mean, you basically said in there, uh, City Pass is a good deal if you're doing uh, three days, I think it was, in each place. Do you do you remember that? Um, yeah, so I have to actually recalculate City Pass. I believe that since we went to print, uh, they changed the price on City Pass and uh, may have swapped out some of the attractions that are involved in it. So um, for the next edition, we'll definitely we're we're recalculating that. Um, if you go to their website, and it, it's kind of like uh, you know, in Orlando, there's a pass that includes both Universal and Sea World and Busch Gardens. And it's the kind of thing where if, if the attractions that are included in the city pass uh, are ones that you were planning on visiting anyway, and uh, and you're going to do Disneyland plus at least two other things that are included in the city pass, uh, then it can save you some money. Um, but if you don't take advantage of it, uh, then then uh, don't bother. That is exactly – yeah, that's exactly what you had yeah. to look. Um, let's see here. And uh, is this book uh, available on ebook? Yes, yeah, it's available on Kindle um, and uh, and ebook formats. Okay, all right. I like paper myself, but so does my wife. She's a professor, though. So yeah, you can get it digitally too. Yeah, that's well. I mean, I've even gone as far out in my head as I was reading this of thinking, well, if they released like a digital thing, and I haven't thought this all the way through, uh, but if you even had like a subscription that somebody could pay you guys each month. That added on, let's say, I don't know, that, uh, that would add on with the touring uh, plans thing, and you guys could release electronic updates to the book. Oh, yeah, uh, and and we already do that. We're doing that now with the current edition of the Walt Disney World Guide, uh, and we're seeing the response to it. And uh, you know, that it's definitely a possibility of adding that to the Disneyland one uh, coming up. You know, you, you can go to touring plans and uh, between the blog. And uh, and the web pages uh, we update that throughout the year, uh, so you can find updated information um, from the book uh, on there for free, uh, even without a subscription. And then the subscription gives you a whole bunch of other things, uh, like full access to the app and uh, the the touring plans and our crowd calendar. Okay, uh, Cameron, did you have any questions you want to add in? Since you're the local guy. No, I'm just doing good. I didn't know about the city pass or anything because we don't need to know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the locals. Oh, I know. I'd actually really like to read up on that because people ask me questions if there's packages and stuff. I was like, I have no idea. <clears throat> yeah. So what? Citypass.com is what the website is. And you did you did throw in some stuff in the back of the book about uh, Universal Hollywood. Uh, what's the uh, what's the chance that they're going to start doing soft openings for uh, uh, Wizarding World out there? Um, so I'm here in soft opening somewhere around March and maybe a a full opening around April. Um, I've heard a bunch of dates thrown out and I I wouldn't put money down yet on any of them, but, uh, yeah, definitely before the summer season really kicks in. Um, I I would expect, I would expect to be able to get in there before Easter. And I mean, they're announcing changes to their to their annual pass out there. Already. Yeah, that's, that's a big deal. Um, you can't really buy a true annual pass anymore. Uh, there is no yeah. option anymore with no blackout dates and there's no option with parking included. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know what it's like as a local to try to use uh, transportation to get there. 
I got a an annual pass. I got one of the last annual passes that was good for a year back when they were dirt cheap, and it's going to expire just after my trip that's coming up. So uh, I'll get one last use out of it. And transportation, Cameron, why don't you go ahead and fill everybody in on what it is like uh, as far as transportation to get from even because I know as a visitor, uh, their garage is a nightmare. Uh, yes, one of the worst parking garage experiences I've ever had. There you go. Well, for <laughs> Fast and Furious, when it opened, did you hear like there was traffic backed up on the oh, freeway? Oh, yeah. Because it was yeah, so, I yeah, believe awful. it. Yep. You know, I, I don't know if, if you have access to uh, subway lines or buses that, that are more no. efficient to get you there. No. Uh, maybe a bus. That'd be worth researching because there's only one way there. And we usually go to Universal Sunday mornings because the weekdays are hell because of L.A. traffic. And then, you know, the weekends are not so bad, actually. And then Sunday mornings are probably the lightest to get to L.A. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a long way from here, honestly. We have to like clear like a whole day. But like it used to be we'd be done by like one or two because there was not much to do there. Yeah. So we'd go there in the morning, be there till two, and then just go home, which used to be cool. It's going to be totally Harry different. Potter is going to change all that. Yep. Yep. I mean, but uh, is there a lot of lodging for people to stay in around there? Uh, I mean, because uh, there mean, really isn't. We, we no, list a few not, yeah. hotels in the book, but, uh, you know, there's nothing. It's not like a hotels within walking distance on the property the way there is at Disney or, or Universal in Orlando. Um, so they have a vision plan that calls for uh, for more hotels on site in the future. Uh, we'll see how Harry Potter does. Huh, okay. Yeah, because that could kind of uh, hurt them. It's kind of like their Florida plan. Yeah, we, well, with just Fast and Furious opening, that kind of scares me. You know what I mean? That wasn't even anything. That's, that's correct. I mean, let's face it. It's sort of like their Orlando plan where they've already like they build the attractions first. And now that the crowds have been coming, now the hotels are coming behind that. You know, it's a, interesting. So. OK, well, uh, speaking speaking of, Orlando, of Universal and Orlando, and Orlando, uh, give us the uh, lowdown on what's happening right now with uh, Universal in Orlando. Seth. Um, well, what I don't know really any more that's being than what's being reported in the papers right now, which is that Universal has uh, got an option. It's, it's closing a contract on four hundred and sixty something. Don't know the exact number. Uh, just just shy of five hundred acres of land, uh, and this is land along Universal Boulevard, south of their current property, uh, close to the convention center. Uh, and it's enough room to build another theme park and another city walk and plenty of hotels uh, and would not quite double the size of what they have. Uh, it would be a huge game changer for Universal. And it's a little suspicious that the, the word of this leaked uh, on the same day of the vote uh, to approve Skyplex, oh, uh, which yeah. is a, a project on iDrive not very far from where this new land is, uh, that uh, Universal opposed very strenuously and wound up passing unanimously uh, that will be uh, the world's tallest roller coaster. Yeah, I mean, we're talking uh, what 500-foot roller coaster? Yep, uh, giant six. tower. Yep. Um, you know, if, if you're familiar with the, um, uh, the stratosphere out in... Las Vegas. Um, imagine that with a roller coaster wrapped all around its tower. And there, uh, it, it's there's a great rendering on YouTube of, of what it'll look like, and it's absolutely terrifying. And they're going for the drop in the middle of it, also, right? And a, and a drop in the middle of it, and there'll be a zip line, and uh, God knows what else. Hmm. So, so I saw that, and I was confused. To, as a not a local, is this? sort of like a i mean it's just a one-time attraction type of thing or is it actually going to eventually become something bigger like more of a park type of attraction well it's kind of a blend um the the tower with a, an observation tower at the top observation deck and, and the the roller coaster and the drop tower that's kind of the centerpiece and then you have a at the base a family entertainment center uh, you've got retail, you've got dining. There's the world's largest Perkins, uh, which is a draw for some people, um, and a, a bunch of other um, 
entertainment options. You know, the idea is not for it to be a full day park, but for it to be something that people go to in the evening after they've gone to a park. Okay. Um, you know, uh, uh, more of a competitor to uh, an old town or uh, fun spot or even uh, city walk. And so the word is that Universal did not want this to happen because they wanted to get the land that it was going to go on, correct? No, no, no. The land is is owned uh, by the developers. Um, I, you know, I, the speculation, Universal's official reasons for opposing it would be traffic and uh, light pollution and noise, uh, all things that Universal generates probably a lot more of themselves than this project ever will. Um, those were their official reasons, um, but you know, it's presumed that the reason they didn't want it is not wanting the competition and also not wanting a uh, almost 700-foot tower uh, within sight of whatever new theme park they're going to build. It wouldn't, be, have, it, it wouldn't have been very intrusive from any of their current theme parks, uh, but oh. it could be an issue uh, for a theme park in the new land. Okay, okay. so – okay. I, I know you're into this stuff, and I don't know how much thought you've given it. What do you think that they could do there as far as the theme park? Uh, they could build their version of Tokyo Disney Seas. Uh, it's a huge plot of land. Um, and, you know, they've got a bunch of IPs that they've signed up or have been rumored to be close with uh, that could fill out a, a pretty nice park. Okay. I've heard Lord of the Rings, but. Well, you know, Lord of the Rings has been bouncing around for a long time. Um, I, I heard years ago about that going into Toon Lagoon. Um, the issue, as far as I know, with Lord of the Rings is still problems with uh, the heirs of Gerald Tolkien, who do not like the Peter Jackson films and uh, oh. do not want to give the rights for mm-hmm. theme park to be built around them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think someone might have to die or have uh, a change of heart before something happens there. Uh, I would love to see, I think Lord of the Rings would be perfect for a, a whole park or a good chunk of a park. Um, they've also got Nintendo, and, and we've got it on good authority that some Nintendo stuff is going into uh, Universal Studios Florida, where KidZone currently is. Right. But Nintendo owns a huge range of properties, and not all of them are going to fit into KidZone. Um, so there, there's a lot more potential there. Um, I like the Tokyo Disney Sea idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying to copy that, but to yeah. have something on that level of scope and theming. Right. I'd expect whatever they do, look the kind of quality you see in Diagon Alley to be spread out over the entire park. Yeah. I, I got a question here. Before we go too far past the Skyflex stuff, is um, I just remember you know reading the history on the Disney parks and and when they were building things, they couldn't build things a high higher than 200 feet all that stuff and um, now that this thing's coming in and has been approved do you think this opens up disney universal anybody really that gets approval to build taller stuff in their theme parks well each of those entities is located in different government districts um, and have different restrictions um, universal the neighborhood that they're in, I believe they're legally limited to 200 feet, and I don't think they would be able to get a variance because of the close neighborhoods that they're around to go over that. Um, that you know, maybe that's something they could try lobbying for. Um, Disney kind of, you know, because of the Brady Creek Improvement District, kind of is their own government. Um, I've always been told that the reason that Disney go, doesn't go over 200 feet is because the FAA would require them to put a blinking light on top of their castle or mountain or whatever it was. Uh, Skyplex did get FAA clearance to go up to 700 feet. Obviously, there will be a big blinking light on top, but they won't mind that. Okay. So that's basically the difference. And yeah, I, re- I yeah. remember the blinking light being now, obviously, you know, whatever So. It is interesting that um, I believe that Skyplex is uh, in the same county district uh, that the new Universal Land would be on. And Skyplex sets a precedent for Universal to, on the new land to be go, able to go well over 200 feet. Okay. So uh, that, you know, 
though they protest it on you know the back door might open to them to uh, do things that they wouldn't have otherwise interesting okay all right and so do you think uh i heard somebody mention the other day <clears throat> that um SeaWorld should feel a little concerned and uh SeaWorld and Legoland should feel a little concerned over this fact that Universal is uh moving along as quickly as they are. Do you see that as a problem or do you see it as a, you know, I, I mean, is that realistic? I I think SeaWorld should definitely be nervous uh just looking at their numbers over the last couple of years, uh how badly Harry Potter has eaten away at SeaWorld's attendance. Um, Disney has not really suffered from Universal's expansion. Uh, SeaWorld has greatly. Um, and something like this, of this size, could be a nail in SeaWorld's coffin uh, if their new CEO can't turn things around in a big way. Um, they've got a, a new roller coaster coming in that will be the tallest in Orlando for at least a few months until something else comes along. Um, I don't know if that's enough. Um, Legoland is is interesting because it's a little bit outside of the, you know, the I Drive corridor uh, or Orlando itself. Um, it has kind of more of a niche appeal, and uh, you know, the the people who are going, the the kids who are attracted to Legoland wouldn't necessarily be attracted to the kind of big thrill rides uh, that we're we're talking about over in Orlando. So I think Legoland, uh, because they, they know very well what their demographic is, uh, might be able to survive okay. Uh, SeaWorld, I'm not sure about. All right. Uh, I'm going to hop through some of these. Yeah, so uh, you in, might as well. Can we, in and around. Yeah. Before we do that, can we bring up the fact that the – so it's interesting. So we're talking about the second book here, which is called Beyond Disney. And it's been mm-hmm. out. It's been out. Uh, you've had this is the ninth edition, so we've had several versions of it. And um, you finally decided to break out Universal Orlando to its own book. We, that's what we spoke about four months ago on the show. This one's including. It still has Universal Orlando in it, but it includes the the best of Central Florida. So I don't know, Seth. You want to just kind of describe that? Why keep Universal Orlando in there? Is this sort of just to keep that whole Beyond Disney thing going, or what's the yeah. difference there? We have uh, Universal Orlando content in both the Beyond Disney book and also in the unofficial guide to Walt Disney World. Um, and it, it's it's greatly edited down. It's kind of just the, the basics, just the highlights. And it's almost in there as a teaser. You know, someone who has doesn't really know anything at all about Universal and, and wasn't really interested in Universal might be getting the book for some of the other material and flip through it and, and say, you know, oh, this intrigues me, you know, I want to know more, more about it and then go out and, and get the, the Universal Orlando book. Um, so, you know, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's not nearly as in depth as what's in the standalone book. Uh, but it, it gives you it gives you an idea, uh, an introduction, um, and then on top of that, Beyond Disney book has got complete coverage of, uh, like you said, Sea World, uh, Bush Gardens, um, got a whole new chapter on uh, iDrive, uh, especially the iDrive 360, uh, the Orlando Eye, and the other attractions there, um, and there, you know we got everything from dining to nightclubs downtown um, to museums and theaters and, and cultural attractions. So, uh, you know, the idea of the book is that there's, there's really a lot more to Orlando than just the, the big Disney theme parks. Um, there's, there, it is possible to come to Orlando and, and spend a whole week here without going to Disney and having uh, plenty to do. I mean, Bush gardens, honestly, I didn't even know it was still open. Really? <laughs> there you, go. you know, Bush, yeah. Bush Gardens is not necessarily as highly themed to the fantasy sense as, you know, an animal kingdom is. Um, but the animal exhibits are first rate and the coasters are the best you're going to find in the area. Uh, if you are a coaster junkie, you, you really do have to visit Bush Gardens at least once. Well, and I mean, these places are a lot more affordable, too. Let's face it, uh, Disney and Universal, well, not so much Universal yet, but Disney is, as far as pricing, they've priced a lot of people out. So for uh, a lot of people, I mean, this is still stuff for them to go and do. Um, I'm looking through Gatorland. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I've never been to Gatorland, 
I guess I assumed that it was um something pretty small, but it looks like there's quite a bit of stuff to do here. Uh, as they say, it's the best half day attraction in town. You you can spend a good four or five hours there. It's it's a lot of fun. Sounds like and Hollywood Studios. It, if you're, <laughs> there's probably more attractions at Gatorland than Hollywood Studios at this point. <laughs> so I, I gotta say, I went to Launch Bay on the first day it was open, and if you're a Star Wars geek, that's uh, there's nothing like meeting Chewbacca. Sure. Um, <laughs> Cameron just did that. Yeah, in, he, uh, in California, met Chewbacca and Vader, and he yeah. bowed. He bowed to Darth Vader, and yes, Vader did. had fun. I, I, I took it very seriously. It was awesome. Yeah. I will say, if you're on the fence about Gatorland, uh, I'm really big on Fun Spot. Uh, they've got the best and only wooden roller coaster in the Orlando area, uh, and and a lot of fun carnival rides and go kart tracks, and, and they're reasonably priced. And they've added a kind of mini Gatorland. They, they partnered up with Gatorland to have a little walkthrough exhibit with some baby gators, and uh, you can feed them turkey hot dogs. Um, um. And uh, it's included if you buy a wristband, or it's it's just a few bucks if you don't. Uh, really, a, you know, fifteen twenty minutes of just pure reptilian joy. And uh, so next is um, in your book here, the Holy Land experience. You know what? I I'm Jewish, so I'm not the target audience right. for the Holy Land okay. experience. But I have been there several times over the years. And it's very well done. A lot of the same people who built Islands of Adventure built uh, Holy Land Experience. So the, the the theming of the buildings is very well done. Um, there are excellent actors who perform in the shows there. Um, you know, I don't know that uh, they're going to convert uh, anyone who goes in, you know, not of the same theological bent as them. Yeah. but. Uh, it's still there's a lot of really interesting stuff in there. Um, if if you're interested in in history uh, and and theology, there's a great walkthrough with ancient Bibles, um, and you know some really solid uh, performances. And we um, have a place close to us uh, called the Creation Museum it's actually uh-huh. in Kentucky. And as far as theming, it was, it was actually very nice. Uh, yeah. Technology wise, it was great. Yeah, um, when I went through there. Uh, I was really impressed. Oh, oh how okay. he, uh, Roy's asking how much time do you think you should dedicate to the Holy Land uh, experience? Uh, <laughs> is it a half day? Well, half day you know, thing? the problem with the Holy Land is that they have um, kind of a, a whole program of shows that kind of go through the life of Jesus, huh. and they end with a big crucifixion pageant in the afternoon and a, a resurrection thing in the evening, and. Um, and if you really want to get the full experience, you kind of got to get there at opening because uh-huh. each show is only done at once in a, in a sequence. Um, if you just want to see the highlights and, and poke around the buildings, you could probably do that in just a couple hours. Okay. And in terms of dining and normal theme park stuff, is that one, is it okay? Or does um, it stack up against the others? <laughs> the last time I was there, the best thing on the menu was the Chick-fil-A sandwiches that ah. they literally purchased from a nearby yeah. uh, fast food restaurant and brought okay. them in. Um, yeah, I, I I would just bring your own loaves and fishes, maybe. Yeah. There we go. There you go. <laughs> well, it's interesting because all these other, you know, we're looking at Kennedy, Kennedy Space Center, the next one up. And, uh, you know, just to think about, they're just such a diverse uh, option for attractions here on the, which is awesome because it covers such a wide variety and you really hit a lot of different audiences in the book to hit those different ones. So. Yeah. I, Kennedy space center. Um, you know, I remember when I was a kid coming to Orlando in the eighties when it was just uh magic kingdom and Epcot and you know, you'd burn through those in, in three or four days and then you would take a trip to the coast and see the Kennedy space center. It was a big deal when I was a kid. And I, I don't know if if kids are are still as into to space. <laughs> they're into Star Wars, but I don't know if they're still as into real space. <laughs> but you know, take them to that place, and it, it'll convert them. Um, the The display they have of the space shuttle uh, Atlantis is just stunning. Um, it's really. Uh, emotional uh the way that they reveal it uh and you see it hanging there and get to walk up near it uh is uh one of the best uh 
displays I've ever seen outside of a Smithsonian museum. I saw that had a lot of stars on the ratings in the book. It was, yeah. Uh, yeah, was yeah. Immediately, that's, I'm that's, like, oh, there it is. That's what yeah. you got to see. That, you know, I, I know that there's their space shuttle simulator is supposed to be their big e-ticket. It's kind of disappointing, if you ask me. Um, the, the real stuff is much more interesting than the simulated stuff. Okay, cool. Uh, let's see here. All right, so give me your opinions on the iDrive stuff with the Orlando Eye and everything. Do you think this is going to have a lasting... Uh, you think it's going to go away quickly and run out of money, or do you think it's going to stick around? Well, I don't think that it'll go away. Unicorp and Merlin and the other developers uh, are very deep pocketed, and and I think that they're in it for the long haul. Um, you know, the I itself definitely had has had a rocky time with uh, some maintenance issues and downtime and uh, some bad publicity. Um, you know, I, I know the eye is the centerpiece. To, to me, it's the least interesting of the attractions there. I really like the Madame Tussauds Museum a lot. Um, the Sea Life one, I have mixed feelings about. Um, but the, the whole package, uh, they've really transformed what was a, a totally dead section of iDrive. If you remember the old Mercado uh, shopping center, it, it was it was a ghost town uh, for years and years, um, and you know, it's the the county has a very uh, elaborate visioning plan for iDrive, and this is one of the anchors of it. Skyplex is too um, to kind of transform and beautify and make make the whole iDrive area more more walkable, uh, more urban, and uh, give the convention people uh, something to do. Um, I, I think they've got potential. I think they've 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 got potential, and they've they've got the money to, to stick it out for the long term if they want to. So, do you see? I mean, obviously, to keep bringing uh, in enough people with this expansion of, let's say, uh, Disney Springs now, and all of the new places over there, uh, with the expansion coming of Universal, do you see like your the pie getting large enough? To feed all of these, or do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's really the question. I mean, ultimately, you know, I, I've heard it said Universal doesn't compete against Disney. You know, Disney isn't competing against SeaWorld. They're they're all all of Orlando is competing against Las Vegas and uh, and against cruise lines and against other you know vacation destinations. Um, and a lot of a lot of that depends on the global economy which seems to be slowly recovering. Uh, and if that continues, uh, then yeah, I, I can, I can see there being, uh, a, enough for a lot of these big projects to prosper. If there's a major turnaround, um, you know, we, we've already seen how, uh, the Brazilian currency, uh, has, has been devalued and, and the ripple effects that has with, uh, the uh, Brazilian tourism market, um, if that kind of thing was wi- more ri- widespread, uh, then yeah, it could really hurt some of these new projects coming up. So um, the, I mean, right now, so, the parks are busier than ever. So where are they all coming from? Yeah, um, we've been trying to figure that out too, um, especially Walt Disney World. The parks are packed. All of our metrics on wait times are way up uh, over this time last year. Uh, hotel occupancy is up a little. Uh, but not up to the degree that <clears throat> we're seeing uh, to justify the wait times. Um, so it's it's a little bit of a mystery where these pe- all these people are, where they're coming from. Well, that's what I keep thinking. I mean, uh, uh, if and I know you know Brazil's, Brazil's been struggling for a little while now uh, economically, and the last few times I'd been in the parks, there were a lot of Brazilians still there. Uh, I noticed a lot more of let's say. Uh, people from the UK, people from Australia. I, I noticed a lot more of them coming over. But you know, if foreign tourists kept uh, the parks alive and in, in a good deal through the recession, um, especially South American tourism really helped. Um, you know, I I think maybe uh, domestic tourism people are feeling a little more secure about employment. Um, gas prices are crazy, crazy low right now. 
I, I mean, I'm flying from Orlando to LAX for $158 round trip. And I never could have found a flight that cheap a couple of years ago. Um, you know, so that all contributes to people deciding that it's time to take a vacation. I was just thinking of something in the future that is probably, I'm guessing, going to hit one of your books. And that is the Flamingo Crossings area. And what that means is that uh, I see in your book here, it says future site of Disney's Flamingo Crossings. And I hadn't been reading it lately. Is is that actually that's not a Disney owned area, is it? It's just it's, right on the edge. So. I, I, that will be part of the uh, Walt Disney World guide. Um, and I'm not 100% on all the details of that. It was a land development project that was started several years ago and kind of abandoned and seems to be turning up again. Um, I believe it's it's Disney managed, but it's going to be made up of third parties. Um, if you know that kind of crossroads at, at Lake Buena Vista, um, imagine that, but with some hotel mixed in, um, there's, there's going to be a, a value, a big value suites resort, I believe, um, with a major brand and you'll probably see, uh, shopping and dining and that kind of thing. Um, it's sort of like a lower rent Disney Springs for the opposite end of the property from my understanding. Okay. Um, and you know, I, I've heard speculation that it's kind of opening up a new uh, main gate into Disney property that could eventually lead to another theme park. But I would not count on seeing another theme park opening anytime in this decade. Okay. I was just curious as you think through the map, it's the, you know, the northwest side. And actually, mm-hmm. I, I'd rather drive that side when we come down going, yeah. well, of course, construction on. You know, I four is a little annoying now, but uh, you know, when that clears up, maybe it won't be yeah. necessarily that bad. But you know, for a lot of people, especially employees who live on on that side of property, that that was kind of always their secret entrance in, uh, and they're probably annoyed that Disney is starting to build up that side because uh, it won't be so secret anymore. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so okay. I, I'm trying to dig in and show everybody your knowledge here, and it's vast. No, please don't. Uh, <laughs> um, really, uh, and your ear is on the ground there. What do you see Disney doing to try to alleviate the um, crowding and overcrowding at this point? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know that they're necessarily complaining about it that that they've got too many people buying tickets. Uh, right. Yeah. You know, I think, I think. FastPass was almost intended to create this situation. Uh, that that FastPass was intended to redistribute uh, people around the parks so that there would be lines everywhere instead of just a few e-tickets with really long lines and a lot of things that you could walk on. Um, uh, so you you know it, you've got Avatar coming on, which will uh, draw people to Animal Kingdom and away from Magic Kingdom. Um, you've got Frozen, who that I'm hearing they're counting on a 10 percent increase in Epcot attendance uh, just out of that one attraction, plus Soren being expanded out there. And then uh, over in Hollywood Studios, um, Toy Story and Star Wars, and I I think that's their at least their short-term plan for where these people are going to go. I think a lot of the crowding that we're seeing right now is mostly in the Magic Kingdom, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that there's not a lot to do right now in Epcot or Hollywood Studios. Mm. Uh, We see more and more people going to Animal Kingdom, and that's only going to increase when the park stays open late and they have Rivers of Light and then Avatar. Um, So... Yeah, there's. I mean, there's definitely a shift of attendance patterns going on between the parks, uh, and and you'll see, you know, modest attendance, uh, not modest capacity increases in terms of new attractions coming online in the next few years. But um, I don't, I don't know if Disney is ever going to even try to keep up with their attendance growth uh, with building new things because that's not really their business model right now. And so, okay, you brought up Rivers of Light. Right now, the word is spring of 2016. It'll open. Is that what you're hearing? Um, that's the latest I'm hearing. Um, 
I, I hear they're working as fast as they can to get it open as fast as they can. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised in a few months for soft openings to, or at least rehearsals to be happening. All right. And what about Avatar land? I've heard, I've heard as, uh, early as fall of 2016. Is that crazy? I think fall is a little optimistic. I think cross soft openings before Christmas are possible. Um, you know, I, I the num I, I had always been told twenty seventeen until Jim Hill started saying that uh, they were working on late twenty sixteen. So obviously they're they're gonna throw whatever overtime money they have to at getting it done. Um, I I think maybe uh, it depends on how ambitious the new technology that they have in there is. You know, everyone remembers Gringotts, uh, how late it was before they opened, announced an opening date because they just mm -hmm. couldn't get that ride new to work stuff. smoothly. Yeah. Even after the opening uh, date. Yeah. So. And Disney, you know, uh, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train has had plenty of maintenance issues uh, itself that probably hasn't gone reported as much. No, um, but but yeah. Disney cannot afford to open Avatar Land and have the e-ticket not working. I had not heard that about Seven Dwarfs. Uh, it has a surprising amount of downtime, uh, you know, not weeks in a stretch, um, but every day it goes down for a, a good chunk of time. Okay. Mm. I hadn't heard that. Okay. Uh, okay. So you said you went through the launch bay and, uh, yeah. Okay. And you did the other stuff. Uh, what's it called? That something it replaced the seasons uh, of the force. Well, no. What's the so stage they've got thing half of the Jedi, which is a clip show. It's right. just a ten-minute video of, uh, spliced up from from the movies. Um, it's pretty missable if you've seen all the movies a million times. Um, there's uh, Trials of the Temple, which is the new version of the Jedi training show, mm. and they brought in the Seventh Sister character from Rebels, who's voiced by Sarah Michelle Gellar. Um, and then there's a cameo at the end with Darth Maul. Uh, and then, um, they've also added a force awakens segment to the star tours ride. The fireworks are going to start, uh, I believe January is when the, the fireworks are going to start. Um, so that's kind of the last component. I don't think they're even marketing it under the season of the forest name anymore. They're using that out in California, but I haven't heard them uh, apply that name right. to the Florida okay. version recently. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. I didn't notice any signage or anything like that. Well, it makes yeah. it makes sense. The movie's coming out in December and the holiday seasons and all that. And Disney World is huge. And so what's next would be, well, e either a marathon or a Star Wars or something. So, yeah, mm -hmm. keep it going. So, Okay. Um, yeah, I th as far as what I've seen, because we had video that we've put up already, I think, of, uh, of the launch bay in mm -hmm. California. Theming-wise, it seemed like the launch bay in California was themed a little nicer than what we had in Florida. But, uh, yeah. I've only seen the California version in pictures and videos, but I, I would tend to agree. Um, they kind of just did a light redress on the old animation studios. In fact, it's kind of sad to see there's the animator's office that you kind of look down into, and it was glassed in, and you would sit there and watch the animator painting, and now there's a speeder bike sitting there. Um, hmm. and it's a nice speeder bike and all. Um, I, I was a little let down. I, I didn't realize there's only two items in the entire exhibit that were actually used in a movie. Everything else is just a model or a replica or something that was made after the fact for huh. the exhibit. Um, but, uh, the meet and greets are really, really well done. Uh, they move glacially slow opening day. They were getting about a hundred people an hour through each meet and greet. Huh. Um, that's, that's pretty rough, yeah. but it's totally worth the wait when you get to hug Chewbacca and have him talk to you. Um, we totally had a conversation about life day. It was awesome. <laughs> so now, and I know too, that they have a, uh, if you're a chase Disney visa card holder. Yeah, they've, they've got a second, uh, it had just closed for the day. Uh, when I got there, uh, they, they will only tell you it's an Imperial meet and greet. I, I've been told out in California, it's Darth Vader. Uh, I, I assume it's the same, uh, in Florida, but, um, 
yeah, if you have a Chase Visa, it's usually got a much shorter line, and you get a free picture, I think. Cameron, are you still alive? Yeah. You didn't get in the Chase line, right? But you were just in it. No, but it was Darth Vader, yes. Okay. But it, it actually took his line down at his meet and greet lower. Okay. Yeah. I just love the technology where they have the characters speaking out of their their you know actual mask yeah. or whatever too. That's just that's cool to keep going from the kind of like the talking Mickey idea. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I had uh, Darth Vader. We had a, a really good interaction too. He force choked me. It was cool. Ah, yes. Awesome. Awesome. Do you have anything else you want to add, Seth, in terms of future stuff? What we think? I mean, crowds are going to keep going. I guess just you know watch out for that type of stuff. Keep going <laughs> yeah, on touring plans. Um, the, the new normal, uh, you know, we the, the days of, of ones and twos, you know, yeah. there was a time when we I would say that the best time to visit the parks in Orlando was uh, after Thanksgiving and, and before Christmas. And it's, you know, it's not it's not as bad as it could be this week, but it's still pretty darn busy uh, and it's going to stay busy and just get busier. Um so that's why you really need a good touring plan. We, we've done all sorts of studies that uh, whether it's a crazy busy day or a slow day um, doesn't really make that much difference if you use one of our touring plans and, and, and follow it. Uh, so my advice is to run out to your local bookseller or uh, favorite Amazon site and uh, buy copies of my books. And go to touringplans.com and theunofficialguides.com. And we will, as usual, we will put <laughs> links uh, into the uh, show notes for the show. And so hopefully you get all kinds of clicks from those and people buying like mad. So Excellent. That's, yeah. Buy then, two for Hanukkah and Kwanzaa. There we go. Yeah. Let's not forget any of them, right? Kwanzaa. Lamaka. <laughs> Ramahana Kwanzaa. <laughs> there we go. Uh, anyway. Yeah, I, I, uh, this is why I like to have you come on the show because it's not just about books. I actually want everybody to hear that this, that you are a kind of wealth of knowledge. And so, and it's current knowledge too, not always just about, you know, just what's on the written page, but what's going on even as of yesterday. Um, I know too, uh, people, but can, I can't remember what I had for breakfast. Yeah, well, <laughs> that, that only gets better as you get older. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, let's see here. Lost um, your train of thought. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, he had to bring it up. Short-term memory loss. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway. In any uh, case, yeah. We, yeah, we appreciate you coming on the show again. I think we all would say uh, if we can do this again, it'd be awesome. And uh, I think everybody out there that's listening, hopefully uh, they could pipe in at some point and say uh, what they think of the show. Uh, um, we know... You're you're on other shows and you uh, enjoy uh, just doing this to just to talk about you know the passion of touring theme parks, especially in the Orlando area. But uh, you know it, it's very helpful for all of us who don't live in those areas to kind of get an idea where are we going to go, how are we going to do it, and what's the best way to do it, and how to plan it out. I think planning it out is so important today. Yeah. And well, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that, and I, I'm. I could talk to you guys all night, but I don't want your podcast ratings to go into the toilet. <laughs> there are we'll have there, a seventeen-hour podcast. <laughs> no, listen, no. no one made it to the end. This where can, is where can people, what are you about? Where can people find you on Twitter? Oh, it's at s k u b e r s k y, and I, I also post on at touringplans.com. And are you on Facebook? I am. Um, I have no idea how you find me. On, you, you you search for Seth Kuberski on Facebook. We'll search you up. I'll stick something. There's only one of me. And I have, I believe, caught you a couple times on Periscope doing uh, stuff through touring. Yeah, plans. I've been I've been trying to Periscope more. Um, we've uh, through the Touring Plans account. Uh, we did a walk through the other day of the Grand Floridian lobby and watched uh, a gingerbread making class. That was kind of fun, and. Uh, did a walk through the crowds of the magic kingdom on the day before Thanksgiving. That was a little hairy. Um, so yeah, we're, we're trying to do more stuff on Periscope. Uh, so if, if, if you're into that, uh, watch us and give us hearts. And I have no idea what I can do with all these hearts. And I don't think, <laughs> can I buy something with them? No, maybe no, at some point, huh? Some yeah, point. Um, and was, I, I believe, was that you that was in the, um, um, launch bay periscoping the other day? 
Yeah, that was me. Okay. Yeah, we did a did a launch bay uh, periscope. And do you know That's what your periscope handle is? Uh, I believe we are also at touring plans on okay. Periscope. Okay. And uh, my personal one is at Eskaberski. All right. Yeah, I want people to get out there and follow you. Every way Excellent. they can. Because yes, follow, honestly, click, like, whatever. Yeah. I, it's, yeah, it's well worth it. I mean, honestly, don't just buy the book or get on the touring plans. Get out oh, there. Oh, no, do and, that too. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, but also, get out there and follow Seth because – like I said, I started this thing out by saying you're the hardest working guy out there. And at this point, yeah. yeah hey, I'm uh, no Derek Bergen. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I do what I can. Yes, please follow me, but not literally. Like if you see me in a theme park, don't just like quietly skulk behind me. Just like tap me on the shoulder and say hi and, and I'll shake your hand. That would be but, called um, stalking, not yeah, following. No, no, so, yes, yeah. not so much. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try that when you come down here, man. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, Steph, it's been a blast once again. This is great. Let's do it again soon. Yeah, and yeah, let's try to make it a little sooner than uh, four months next time. All right. I'm here. Okay. Sounds Thanks a good. lot. Thanks, Seth. Good night. Good night. Good night.